tired. So tired. Overtired. Hey, you're listening to Overtired on ESN. I'm Brett Terpstra here with Christina Warren. How's it going, Christina? Uh, I'm good. I'm real good. A um, lot of stuff happening in my personal life um, and professional life since I was gonna say, we last talked. Yeah, I, I've heard about your professional life. What's going on there? Yeah, so um, yesterday, uh, we're recording this on a Friday. Yesterday was my last day at Mashable. Um, so how many years were you there? Seven. That's a long time. Yeah. In the tech world, that's a long time. In the media world, it's a long time. I mean, both in, in both, like it, it's uh, it's kind of unheard of, frankly, especially for a smaller public, not not the Mashable, small Mashable is now actually really huge, but for like newer, you know, new media publications, like you see it, I guess, in the print world some and, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, no, seven years, um, almost to the day. So my, my first post at Mashable which I'm going to find and I think put us in our, in our show notes, um, was um, August 24th, 2009. And my last day was August 11th, 2016. So so what was so great that it lured you away from a job you've had for seven years? I'm going to be senior writer at Gizmodo. Gizmodo. Gizmodo, yeah. Yeah, I, which, uh, yeah. I haven't heard that name for a while. Yeah, are they uh, are they doing something new? Well, they're doing a lot of stuff. Um, so they brought on a new editor in chief um, back in uh, I guess like November, uh, uh, Katie Drummond, who um, previously was at Bloomberg and before that she was at, at the Verge and Wired. And um, I've I've heard great things about her. And if you look at their site, actually their their traffic, they announced I guess like at the beginning of August that in July they actually had record breaking traffic for like the history of the site, like in July. And and they do, you know, there's a lot of things under kind of the Gizmodo um label and it also includes IO9, which is kind of like their, you know, kind of geek culture uh, uh site um that, that covers a lot of, you know, sci-fi movies and things like that. Um but yeah, I mean they 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 cover, you know, tech like anybody else, but with a very different take and a very different attitude. And and I'm definitely attracted to some of the stuff they do. Um, one of the big stories they broke earlier this year was the story about how Facebook um, chooses what um, the trending stories are on its on its newsfeed. You know, when you see like the, these are trending stories, like they actually have like a team of writers and and editors that they um, you know that the pick out and pick and choose what can go up and what can't. And there turns out that there's kind of a political bent towards what is allowed to trend and what's not. So it's not strictly algorithmically based like like Twitter. Although Twitter, I think, actually um, augments what can appear in their trending sections too, just not to the extent that Facebook was. And uh, it was a really big investigation that ended up, you know, Facebook had to answer a lot of questions. There was even, I think, like a congressional inquiry, like all kinds of ridiculous stuff. And that was that was one that uh, their uh, one of their editors uh, broke back. Uh, I guess it was in like March or something. So. I see that that whole thing pisses me off because I'm all for separating out intelligent articles from BS articles, oh, which means too. ultimately that you're you're promoting <laughs> liberal articles. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but I do think that it's like so does Facebook apparently. Well, but I but I think though that it's notable when you are like a a really uh, huge platform like Facebook and you're doing. Um, 
stuff like this where, I mean, the, the headline was, and, and this wasn't completely accurate. I mean, it's, it's the headline's fine, but but it wasn't like, you know, there is more nuance than this, but it was like, you know, former Facebook workers, we routinely suppressed conservative news. And like, look, on a personal level, I mean, I'm kind of okay with that. And, and even on like an ethical level, I feel like Facebook can, as its own platform, pick and choose what they Absolutely. want. But there should be... When you are Facebook and you are acting in this role as kind of a media, this hybrid role as both a platform and a publisher, having some sort of um, transparency about it um, would probably be better. And the very least, you know, finding out about it is nothing about interesting. Even if you are completely okay with what they did, like, and I am, I think just knowing how the process works and, and frankly, how kind of sweatshop like. The um the process the, the the treatment of the the people who worked on those teams was because most of them weren't full time Facebook employees like they would come into the offices but they were like contract workers and you know would would have to kind of follow um, certain things and and so um, anyway it, it was a really interesting story but that was that was one of the really big things that, that Gizmodo's done in the last few months. So if I'm not mistaken, Gizmodo yep. is Gawker, right? Yes. So Gawker's gotten a lot of bad press lately. What's going on with uh, Gizmodo's attachment to any <laughs> results of Hulk Hogan fallout? Well, so because of the Hulk Hogan fallout, uh, Gawker Media Group is going to be sold next week. And Gizmodo obviously will be part of the sale. Gizmodo is the, what they consider the flagship site of, of, of all of it. So, you know, there, there's Gizmodo, there's Jalopnik, there's Deadspin, there's Jezebel. Um, there are other ones that I – Kotaku um, – and uh, uh, Lifehacker, obviously, we're both fans of, of, of Lifehacker. And then there's Gawker.com. And from what I've read, from what I understand, um, there will be about 15 companies bidding to buy Gawker Media and either, you know, some or, or um, uh, all of the, the uh, media properties. Um, it's very likely, from what I understand, uh, just and this really just comes from press reports I, because I, I don't start until the 22nd. I don't know anything more than what's been written. Um, Gawker.com, there's probably a fairly strong possibility that it won't be part of the sale, meaning that whoever buys the other sites will buy all of them. It's kind of a group, but Gawker.com, because of its own kind of, you know, history, um, cognizance. Yeah. Well, you know, just in, in the fact that there are still pending lawsuits against it and a lot of other things, although, I mean, you know, it is possible that that might not be part of the sale. So, um, and it might be sold back to writers. It might, you know, uh, be spun off as an independent thing. I mean, who knows? Um, but the the idea, um, I mean, but not the idea. The reality is, is that the company is currently going through bankruptcy, and there will be a court, you know, auction next week. And so I don't know who ultimately my my corporate parent will be. That's unclear. Um, it seems like the team and everybody is 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 staying put. At least, you know, obviously you have to see the fallout of of what happens. But uh, no, I mean everybody who works there that I've talked to, and they, they had Gawker had a huge farewell independent media party on Wednesday night that I went to, and you know everybody seems really excited about the future, um, even though the circumstances are, are obviously uh, distressing in, in some ways, you know, for for the people who are heavily vested in the company. But um, basically, the right now Ziff Davis has agreed to to pay ninety million for the company, and so. If there aren't any higher bidders that that would be, you know, seen to be an equal fit, um, Ziff Davis would would own um, uh, Gizmodo and and the other uh, Gawker blocks. Interesting. Hmm. 
Yeah. So, I, yeah, so, so, so yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, you know, obviously it's, it's interesting that I'm like leaving like a, a job where it's been stable and really good. And I'm going to a place where things are a little bit uncertain. Um, but after talking to people there and, and just kind of seeing how, you know, they were, um, handling things, I'm feeling like there, without a doubt, somebody's going to be there. If no one else were to bid, then, then, um, Ziv Davis would, would own, um, you know, Gawker's media's assets. Would you like um, that? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job with, with the people at IGN that I've talked to and, and, you know, Ziv Davis itself has gone through a lot of changes over the years. And, and, um, you know, at this point, you know, media is, is it, it's a, the consolidation game is happening in media anyway, you know, yeah. like literally that's the phase we're in again, we're back in the consolidation phase. So, you know, um, I think that, Obviously, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, and 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 you know, I feel like whoever buys them. I mean, there's obviously going to be some you know changes and transitions. I won't understand what those changes really have been because I didn't work there before. Right. So we'll see. But I'm. I, but I really like the team, and I really like the idea of being able to um, write about different things. And um, you know, um, I've, I've loved what I've been doing for the last seven years at Mashable and, and I have no regrets about any of that, but it's time for a new challenge. And, and I'm looking forward to, you know, being able to write stuff that maybe I wouldn't be able to write otherwise, like basic bitches guide to tech and things like that. Like that'll be fun. Are you, I think I read that you were doing some on, uh, or like video stuff too, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Video will be a big part of, of what I do as well. So, so that's exciting. That is, that's you, you, you're, you're, you're good at television. Thank you. It's it's a talent of yours. They should make use of that. Well, good luck in your new job. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll obviously have more details next time we talk after this once I've started and everything. But no, I'm excited. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's always hard to leave a place. How you were? At, how long were you at AOL? You were at AOL for like five years. Five years. Five yeah. years as a full time. As a full timer, and then you've been blogging before them, even yeah. before that. That's how we met. So, so you were, you were, you kind of understand what it's what it's like when you. I mean, you left, I think, under different circumstances. I'm leaving <laughs> definitely on very good terms, and and like you know, like crying with colleagues and stuff. But like, um, I and I know that your your situation was a little different, but you know what it's like. like I it's do. Just, it, it it can be it can be it can be tough. Um, <laughs> but you're leaving into another salary job. I did. Yes. I I'm left into an even more uncertain path. That's true. Uh, I'm leaving into another salary job that is in the same building. Let's talk about that a second. That seems incestuous. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the big joke is that like the furthest I could get away from Mashable was 12 floors. Like that's the joke. Ball and chain. Basically. <laughs> At least it won't change your commute. No, no, it won't. Will not change my commute. That's what everybody was like. I was like, oh, your commute will be the same. I'm like, yeah, basically. I'm looking forward to it. How long is your commute? 35 to 40 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, I mean, it's not great. Uh, do you take the train, though? Well, it varies. So, I mean, if I'm good, if I'm, like, doing the right thing, then I walk um, about, um, you know, three quarters uh, of a mile to the subway. And then the subway goes direct, basically, practically to the door of my office. Uh, if I'm not good and it's hot or it's rainy or it's I'm lazy and I want to do something else, then I Uber <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, speaking of doing the right thing. Yeah. I jogged two miles this morning. That's amazing. With three dogs. Brett, 
so this is all because of of uh, of the the acupuncture and stuff for your back, or what, what's what's helped with this? The yoga? What's okay? With this? So the the solution for the sciatica was I I don't remember if we talked about it last time, but walking. Yeah. Uh, as much as it hurts, if I just walk a mile. But then uh, I also started seeing a massage therapist. That's what it was. I remember you telling me this. And okay. basically, there's just that one muscle that binds, that squeezes the sciatic nerve. And if I get that massaged every, you know, for, for a while there, I was going like every three, four days. And just like 15 minute massage session on focusing on my like hip. And it started getting way better. And right now it's it's gone. And it may never come back. So that's, yeah, I'm in good shape and I can jog without pain, which I couldn't do even before the, even before the sciatica jogging made my shins freeze up in my legs, in my knees. And it was horrible, but I've gotten stronger. That's awesome. Which I owe to being off my ADHD meds for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously unwillingly as we've discussed, but, yep. but that made me. Uh, start exercising which is great but i have good news what's that uh two weeks ago a little over two weeks ago now um i finally came up on the waiting list for a new psychiatrist at the uh, same facility that did my adhd testing right and i am officially back on vivance and yes my meds in general and everything is smoothing back out that's awesome i'm back to work and well so i as a byproduct of that, I actually have the uh, wherewithal to get podcasts back onto a more regular schedule. Okay. So I'm going to start with Systematic, get that back to every week. And then once that's flowing, oh, I think we should start every every week because <laughs> at worst then we'll go every other week instead right. of at worst being every once a month. No, and I would <laughs> love that. I would love that. I mean, obviously, like, I've got to figure out, like, my schedule and stuff, too. We might have to record on, like, the weekends and stuff since I'm going to be starting a new job and it might be hard for me to – I don't know what my schedule will be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, but, we'll figure it out. Yeah, th- these are things we should probably not figure out on the podcast. Yeah. No, that <laughs> makes sense. But, but – That's but, very no, reasonable. Right, but I'm totally stoked about that. Like, I, I would love that. And I'm, I'm really excited about Systematic, obviously, coming back um, more, more frequently. I think that's really great. So let me plug the Systematic casting call. I'll put a link in the show notes. But um, I do, I've done this a couple times before. Systematic focuses very much on bringing in guests that aren't frequent podcast guests in the tech world um, and people that may have never been heard from publicly before uh people that i think are interesting and those people are not easy to find uh so what i do is i let people audition themselves or recommend other people they know and uh if you go to the link that'll be in the show notes for the casting call you can basically just upload a two minute intro audio recording uh to let me know who you are and what you do and i'll contact you and we'll set up systematic guests it'll be fun Awesome. Yeah. It's actually worked out really well in the past. So that's, yeah. So, yeah, you guys reach out to Brett. Yeah. Okay. So, those are the big two topics Brett's redemption and Christina's new job. Yep. What do we do now? I mean, I think we, we talk about TV and pop culture just like we usually do. <laughs> Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, <laughs> try to take over the world. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I uh, 
I've been watching. Um, uh, have you seen Difficult uh, People season two? Have you been watching it at all? Aren't we on season three now? No, it's in season two. Oh, but yeah, I have. I yeah. watch it. I'm a diehard fan. Yeah, me too. And I, I'm loving it. Uh, I, I watched, I guess, the most recent episode um, this morning um, because um, so this is my first day off in a really long time. And uh, so naturally I woke up at four o'clock in the morning. Of course. Yeah. That's just that's how just... how else would you be overtired in time for the podcast? No, seriously. But also like it. Even my last day at work, like just to go back to that topic for a second, it was very funny. Um, I I'm notoriously late. Like I don't come into the office until after ten, uh, most days. Uh, which uh, you know, um, they were very kind enough to let me get away with that. Um, when it would creep towards eleven, that was when it was not okay. And like I. 100% agree that's actually not acceptable <laughs> bad Christina um, but but it was usually you know 10 o'clock 10 15 would be when I would roll in uh, we would say before 10 and then we all knew that that was with padding uh, my final day in the office I was in there at 8 55 8 53 actually and so uh, I tweeted that and um, my, my my former boss Jim Roberts uh <laughs> replies he was like because i was like hell is officially frozen over uh, you know i was at my last day of mashable um i'd like to point out that on my last day in the office i i my my last day i'm in the office at 8 55 hell is officially frozen over and so jim replies dear god uh which i think just says everything um because for two and a half <laughs> years he definitely saw that that was a very rare 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 thing usually if i was in the office before nine it was because i was on tv so I have to ask then. Yeah. You're almost always on time for this podcast. Yes. Are you only late for things that you know you can get away with being late on? Yes. Is it a is it a level of interest thing or just you can get away with it so you don't? Uh yeah, that's it it's the second one. It's the selfish thing. I know I can get away with it, so I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I'm being completely honest. And that's why like the new job, like I'm not sure like I think they'll probably be starting working from home a little bit at first, but like, you know, I won't be late that first day and like for the first, you know, I'm going to figure out like what the what it is. And and obviously you can't get away with being late like when you first start a job. So that's not going to be a thing I do. Uh but um <laughs> But you'll but, find a way eventually. But eventually, yeah. No, I mean, that's just kind of, I think, but in general, if I'm being completely candid, as I usually am on this podcast, that's kind of my life MO for a lot of things. Like, you get away with what you get away with, you know? Uh, but but if it's something really important, something I need to be on time for, I'm on time for it, you know? So, uh, but... Uh, so you are, you are capable of punctuality. You are I non-punctual just, uh, by choice. I Maybe say, not a conscious I would, choice. I wouldn't say by choice. I would more again say I know that I was allowed to be come in late. So like, why not? I am habitually early for everything. Like I show up for doctor's appointments like 30 minutes early and sit in the waiting room. Well, they tell you to do that. I mean, 30 minutes before the 30 minutes. Like I just like the way that I think I'm like, oh, that's coming up soon. I don't have time to start something else. I'll just go. And like with yoga classes, I'll show up half an hour early just so I can like get the best spot in the room and then sit and watch other people come in instead of being the guy who feels self-conscious coming in when everyone else is already sitting there. I have, I think it's fear-based. <laughs> I think I like to be early out of uh, uh, fear of not being prepared for situations. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I just uh, – I mean in the work thing, it's honestly more like a uh, – I get like – because it is like a 45 minute commute or whatever, like that means if I needed to be in the office by nine, I would need to leave 
by like 8.15, which means that I would need to be awake by like 7 or 7.15. But if I don't have to be in until like 10.15, then I can like (laughs) wake up at like 8.30. That's fair. So Even when I was a remote worker and my commute was walking down the stairs, I I was on time. Even though I could easily have set up a bot to make it appear like I was in chat and working and just ignoring people because I was deep in a project and yeah. they just show up in time for the stand up in the morning and I could have, but I I don't know. It's a uh, almost a uh, a mental illness having to be early for everything. No, totally. <laughs> So anyway, back to difficult people. Yeah. No, this season is hilarious. It is. Um, so I, I watched the most recent episode uh, where uh, – um, uh, uh, so I'm not sure. What, what's the latest episode you've seen? Oh, I've seen whatever's most recent. I don't remember titles. Okay. Yeah, I don't either. But it was the one uh, with, uh, with Julie's birthday. Yes. Okay. Um, the la- latest one I saw was when she got the role in yes, a Showtime show. Yeah, where they work at BuzzFeed. <laughs> Excuse me, Buzz List. Well, yeah, that was. Oh my God, that was that, good. So, so there's a new one after that that I think might have. Oh, just is there? Out. Yeah, because I. Oh watched- no, I know there is because I haven't. I've been waiting. My wife's on deployment, and I've been saving it. Yeah, yeah, because I watched it this morning, and it's also very funny. But but the one with uh, with Julie getting the role in the Showtime series, the spinoff of The Affair, and I love how they just completely shit on The Affair. <laughs> it's a great show, but I love that they just totally shit on The Affair. Um, it's, 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 uh, but that was hilarious. And then them working at Buzzfeed, um, was, or buzz list as they call it again, very, very funny. <laughs> we need a list of, yeah, those were ridiculous. I want to know if anyone's keeping a wiki of all of the names that her husband uses for her. Yeah, totally. I mean, noodles is the common one, but I, I, I'm with you. Oh, I don't know. He doesn't, he said he, he's used pencils, which is my favorite yep. so far. Um, Last two episodes ago, he said something so utterly inanimate and ridiculous. I would have to go back to remember what it was, but I really need to go through and I just want to be the guy who documents the brilliant names that he calls his, his, I guess we'll say partner. Yeah. Who an episode ago agreed to be uh, domestic partners. partners. Yeah. No, that was so funny too about her, like, incapable like well because both of the characters you know both both billy and julie are just so selfish and are just so i love them but you know they're they're the sort of people who like it's it's interesting to juxtapose like difficult people in broad city because broad city even though it's over the top there are actual people like abby and alana oh i absolutely compare those two shows too but 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 like but 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 billy and julie i think that if they there really were people who acted like the way they act like in public all the time i think that like I think that they'd be shot. I think they would at least be beaten. Exactly. Without a doubt, they would at least be beaten. I feel so, like it's, it's, dip, uh, it's, um, uh, you're the worst yeah. amplified and made more lighthearted and funny, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But, but, uh, yeah, but, but just seeing her, but just to go back to what happened, like seeing Julie like respond to, um, how, uh, the, the, the very wonderful, um, She's got this great boyfriend, their partner, or whatever. Like they're in this great relationship. He really, literally bends over backwards. Wait, let, for her. let's let's describe these characters for people who doesn't yes. don't who don't watch it. Ju- Julie is kind of she's a a classic beard. Uh, like she prefers to spend her time with a gay man who 
there will never be any physical attraction to. And it's mirrored in her choice of partner, who is an NPR host that she clearly, (laughs) the porn episode was absolutely hilarious because he catches her watching like gangbang porn on her computer and it kind of blows up and they get into a thing and then she asks him to show him, show her his porn and he pulls out like a vintage collection of magazines featuring models that look almost exactly like her and it's such an awkward moment it's beautiful oh it is it's so it's it's a fantastic thing like he like clearly she does it completely for him and she loves him she just she does. doesn't it's she just does a very non-typical relationship yes. with well, almost and- zero sexual attraction yeah yeah although he's very attracted to her clearly uh but like um but she she loves him but but at the same time it's like one of those things where because she's so selfish with with everybody but Billy and even with Billy uh but she's so selfish like the 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 fact that he's like look it'd be really great if if we were able to save on our taxes and she's like but i don't want to have this label and it's like you've been living together for years <laughs> my favorite was there was an episode this season where they're interviewing for a co-op uh, like for some what looks like some wonderful um you know apartment on the upper east yeah, side yeah yeah and, and she literally kind of throws a temper tantrum and then it, the co-op interview is going very well and then nathan there's yeah. a whole bit with nathan lane and, and and how she and billy ended up ruining that for them too but but it's a weird thing because i um uh, like you, you have to wonder. Like he's very clearly well off, but at the same time, like you're like people at PBS don't make that much money, and yes, like, <laughs> like super high end exact high execs, and he's not one of those execs. So it's 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 a little bit of a fantasy in that sense, and that like he clearly is the one working to provide for her because she's like a TV recapper um, uh, slash you know aspiring um, you know comedian Hollywood type, and and uh, you're living in New York and and. It, that's like the one part of I'm like, how the hell do they afford that apartment? You know, I'm like, I do. Okay. And you know, like we can afford to live in Brooklyn. Dual income, no kids. Like, come on. What the hell? Yeah. I, I, I love, I, I living in New York has made me so aware of like, just how completely like unrealistic all New York real estate is how it's portrayed (laughs) in television. It's so unrealistic. And I mean, again, Broad City probably gets it the closest um, uh, because I think it was, you know, written and and created by, by two, you know, um, you know, women in in, in their late twenties in New York. But like you, you, when you live here and you kind of know, like it really is like the old cliche where like everybody asks everybody else's rent because you're always kind of thinking like, well, could I get a better deal? Maybe get a maybe get a slightly bigger bathroom, or you know, a, a kitchen where I have some counter space to actually do something, or a real closet. And then you're like, no, but I'm never going to have a real closet. That's just not what 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 my life is is meant for anymore. Okay, so if it makes you feel better, yeah, I live in Minnesota, where property is cheap as hell, and I don't have a closet. I gave well, okay, I don't have a dresser. I do have a closet with shelves and no room to hang anything. So all my clothes are stacked on shelves. And in my case, they're more stuffed in shelves. And my kitchen, I have to move appliances in order to find space to put down cutting boards. It's not an ideal kitchen. And it's really just poor layout. There's a lot of room in this house. 
uh, just none of it coalesces into kitchen space or uh, closets. Uh, so if that helps you at all, make, make you feel better that, no, you probably couldn't get a better deal, especially in New York. Right. <laughs> no, that's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, no, it, but it, I'm glad to know that the this, this struggle is real everywhere. That does make me feel slightly better. My office is as big as most New York apartments. Yep. And I still don't have kitchen space. Yeah, I, 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 I miss living in Atlanta where we had a really huge kitchen. We had a laundry room. We had built-in washer-dryer. Wow. I had a fantastic bathroom, a closet that was almost as big as my dorm room, three bedrooms. So do you use like a laundry room now? Like in the apartment building? Uh, no, no. We have to send it out or walk it out. I, I send it out. I pay for someone else to do my laundry. That again, wow. that, that that's well, that's like the reality because either I like I take the bag myself and like walk a few blocks and and do it myself, which is a pain, or I pay you know not a huge amount per load to you know it, it's it's like ten dollars a bag or something. Like, <laughs> that is so, so much. <laughs> oh my god. I I have a washer and dryer, so I, yeah. to, to me that seems ridiculous. Oh, but then I, I don't wear the, that many clothes, so maybe I can pull it off. I don't know. For me, it's just more like. I don't want to deal with it. So it's worth the 10 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's definitely someone who has the means. And if you have the means, why wouldn't you? Totally. I mean, and, and I mean, like if it really came down to it. I mean, I would walk my ass over to the laundromat and like deal with the quarters and stuff myself. Don't but lie. I'm, you would Uber to the laundromat. Actually, it's too, it's too close to Uber. <laughs> Otherwise I, I, you're dead on. If there was a nicer laundromat, like, that I would do that. But at that point, the Uber would cost more than just having somebody come and pick it up and deliver it. So is there an Uber for laundry service? Yeah, there are several, actually. And, <laughs> I uh, totally believe that. There are. And actually, I had the best idea uh, for one. I, had one. I had the idea four years ago. And I actually thought about seriously putting together a pitch for it and like trying to make a go of it, like me and Grant. And it was going to be called launder.me. In fact, I still think I own the domain name, L-A-U-N-D-R.me. And it would be like Uber for Uber meets seamless for laundry. Uh, my first assumption on hearing that URL would be that they would come and give you a sponge bath. <laughs> but that might be more of a Tinder thing. Yeah, that'd be more of a Tinder thing. Or it could be maybe people think that you're going to be like um, uh, laundering money. Oh, I suppose. Which would be actually that's not a bad side that hustle. Could, I, mean, I was gonna say that you you could have the laundry as a front, yeah, and totally. the laundering could be yeah. the main income source, right? Which I think again, I mean, I think that this this idea since the other like laundry services, there's Homejoy, there are a couple. I think Homejoy is actually not laundry. I think that's uh, like people come clean your house, and I actually think it closed. But there, there are a number of them that, that are doing kind of like the the laundry delivery kind of thing, and so because more people who live like in urban areas, not all buildings you know have laundry facilities, and and so. Yeah, you know, if you can you can specify getting it done and whatnot, that's great. Although in our area, like it's just the local laundromat, like literally will do the pickup and the delivery. So um, you're you gonna need site. you're gonna need your own startup capital because I don't think that money laundering as a secondary revenue source would fly in a business plan at an investor pitch. So you don't think the Y Combinator would give you money? Is what you're saying? I don't. I don't. Not. Yeah. Well, no, but he, okay. they might contact you. It might call you after and be like, so we said no, but. Well, see, because here was my, I mean, because honestly, here's the thought, right? What if 
you know, again, I and 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 because there are too many startups starting the space, this is a moot point at this point. But what if I'd pitched it legit? Like I was gonna go like, you know, clean. And then after like I get the money, I call the investors in and I go, okay, here's the thing. I actually have a better idea. Can you I, take this off the books? If you've already got the investor money though, why wouldn't you just keep that revenue source secret? Because then I feel like I was like not keeping them in the loop. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so you want to be honest about your dishonesty. Exactly. I feel like there aren't enough mafia-funded startups. This is my point. Well, actually, that's not true. Russia. <laughs> in the U.S. No, Russia makes a lot of tech investments. I uh, In the U.S.? Some of them have company fronts here. I mean, they have teams in Russia, but yeah, I mean, you know, but but, but Russian venture, like I, I can't think of the names there, but there've been a number of like big Russian investment firms who will pour money into like U.S. startups and tech startups and stuff. And so, and if you want to follow the money, all that stuff goes back to the mafia. There, I said it. Interesting. So, I mean, and honestly, we don't even know about China. Like China and 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 uh, some of the Asian money it probably has mafia backing too. I yeah, I'm intrigued by the idea. I feel like there's a movie plot here. Corruption in in uh Silicon Valley startups funded by the mafia. Foreign mafia. Yeah. Well, I think that the really interesting thing would be to have like a buddy comedy where you have like an old mafia don who's like son's hustle is going to be like a tech startup and he's going to be like a venture capitalist and like that's going to be his gag. And, and like trying to see the two worlds trying to kind of meet. I think that's gold. Uh, right. You totally, uh, De Niro absolutely has to be the old mafia guy though. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And it could, because it could be like, um, like, uh, any of the Goodfellas type movies mixed with like Meet the Fockers. And, yeah. Oh man. It's gold. It's gold. Yeah, Goodfellas Meet the Fockers with like a touch of Silicon Valley. It's an instant, like, 30% minimum on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, minimum. I mean, and probably probably 40% max, maybe. maybe. <laughs> exactly. But here's, but here's the thing. Adam Sandler's movies on Netflix are their most streamed titles, period, worldwide. The most popular movies on Netflix are the Adam Sandler stuff that he's making for them. That's terrible. But yet I, I asked on Twitter because uh, I, I, I did uh, my due diligence as a reporter. Right, because this is, this is what I need to do. And, Twitter and sourcing, I, sure. Well, common journalistic tactic. Yes, absolutely. Uh, hi, this is Christina Admashable. Can I get a comment? Can 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 you please can you follow me so I can DM you some questions? <laughs> Let's. I'm going to actually be very honest. I've done that very rarely. Like, because <laughs> when I see it, I cringe with secondhand embarrassment usually. And and I, I have friends who do that, and you do that because you can't get them through email. But like, usually, yeah, like. Uh, but, but those sorts of things. Hi, I saw your photo. Can I reuse this? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, my job is really sad. Um, sometimes uh, just like literally trolling for like permission to like repurpose content. So it's like, hey, my media organization would love to make money off of your content. Can we please have it for free? We're not going to pay you. But I swear to God, the exposure you get for letting us use that video. I've gotten those exact emails way back in like 2006 and seven when I first started publishing to Flickr. Yeah. I would get emails. We would really like to uh, wear the those little magazines you find in hotels yeah that uh like where question mark um maybe there's no question mark but uh they would contact me and be like oh you have some great pictures of chicago can we use them in our guide no money but we'll credit you with the picture (laughs) 
No. And you're like, no. Well, no. Uh, well, that's the funny thing. I mean, the, well, but, but you know, the great thing about Clicker is the Creative Commons um, for commercial uh, usage thing. And so that's that how blogs get images is that you search the Creative Commons mm-hmm. uh, commercial use allowed tag. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, this iPhone looks fine. There used to be a really great app for that. I, don't, I can't remember what it was now, but I used to use it because it would it would find all the stuff that people either intentionally or erroneously labeled yeah like cc commercial yeah cc commercial and and um but no but i i uh i uh to go back to, to my movie idea that now we've pivoted from the startup idea to the movie idea which i now think has legs the thing is 30 percent rotten tomatoes that's pretty that's that's pretty decent i think like again i think with the right cast oh my god adam sandler could be involved if you uh, make it with a low enough budget yeah that's uh that's a win and 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 the thing is, is that it seems like the sort of movie like everybody always says they hate those movies, and then they end up like like again everybody like talks about how much they hate Adam Sandler at least on my Twitter, and yet it's like the most streamed <laughs> movie on Instagram, like not Instagram, most streamed movie on Netflix worldwide. So I asked on Twitter, doing my due diligence, it was like legitimate question: Have you actually watched this movie, and if so, why? And the answers I got back were actually pretty interesting. So most people were saying, I just want to watch a movie and not think. I've got enough stress happening in my life otherwise, and I just want to have something that's kind of fun and mindless, and I just don't want to think about it. And some people were like, I just genuinely like the movies. And other people were like, yeah, you know, I think he's funny. But I thought the most compelling like argument was people who were like, yeah, you know what? I've got enough stuff going on in my own life. I just want to turn off everything and just just embrace you know, something that's silly and stupid um, and, and mindless. And, and I so, so, so relate to that because that's why I watched The Bachelor. Yeah, I can't really see The Bachelor is too annoying to me to like lose focus on. No, I can understand that. Yeah. For, for me, The Bachelor is three things. One, it's it's camp spectacle and 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 sla- tied with like like Twitter performance art. So there, there's there's the two factor. This is the same thing where it's like the, the, the show itself is campy and ridiculous. And then there's the performative art of, of crafting funny tweets that are going to get a reaction and, and entertain people. The second part of it is that you know, it's a really meticulously kind of like calculated reality show that tries to not be self-aware, but yet because of all the media conversation around it has become more self-aware. And that's kind of an interesting juxtaposition to watch. And then the third thing is it's just a bunch of crazy people doing stupid stuff. And like, it's entertaining. I understand why a lot of people would be totally like not into it. But for me, I love the drama and and I also kind of love the meta experience of the whole thing. Um, what I unabashedly love is the the spinoff show that they do during the summer's or during August and the summers called Bachelor in Paradise, which is basically like the real world challenge. But they um, basically uh, just put a bunch of former Bachelor washed up contestants together to drink and hook up. And the rule is, is that you have to find somebody to, to give a rose to and they, they have like an uneven number of guys and girls. And if you don't get a rose, which basically means you don't put out, then you go home. And so, you know, like it's uh, it's it, it and it's it's ridiculous. Um but it's it's a good time. But I, I, I understand why you would not be into that at all. Like I totally get it. But for the same reason, like some people their their you know, their their deal is like Adam Sandler movies. Me, it's The Bachelor. For you, tell us about your guilty pleasures. I know you must have some. Some mindless content that's not quality at all that for, you still like to indulge in when you don't want to think about anything else. First I wanna say that um that sounds a lot like high school. Yeah. And I just went to my 20th reunion 
Um, and it, it was fun actually. Uh, so, okay. So here's the story of my reunion. You ready? Yeah. Yes. I showed up. I said hi to a bunch of people that I personally don't remember and then went to the back porch of this place. They were holding it at that had at this point, no people on it and just sat there tweeting about how uncomfortable I was. And then eventually worked my way back inside, found an old friend who was like my best friend in middle school. But then he started playing soccer and we like kind of drifted apart in high school and we like reconnected and it was awesome. And then I talked to a bunch of people that, again, I don't really remember. Um, And then on my way out, the person who organized or one of the organizers like she's like, oh, but you didn't dance with me yet. And so I like grabbed her right there and I did like uh spin and like uh, it was a pretzel basically from like right. swing dancing and she followed it perfectly and then I just waved and left and I feel like it was the ultimate exit and this is I'd only been there for an hour and a half I think but I I left feeling triumphant it was I, I feel like I won my high school reunion and I didn't have to give any roses out no so, I I'm I, I, I love that for you guilty pleasures I would say my guilty pleasures, I don't know. I, I do. I like 30% movies on Netflix. I do that. I I go and, you know, especially when my wife's out of town, which is like every other week right now, um, I just, I go look for a movie she would never want to watch and that maybe I don't even really want to watch and I'll just hit play and, and see how far I get into it. And I, I feel like my live tweeting, speaking of Adam Sandler, my live tweeting of That's My Boy was one of my most successful uh, uh, tweet storms of all time. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, it's a lie. I I never did that. I've never seen that movie. That's my. <laughs> I me. guess that's my other hobby is just being a pathological liar. No, I mean I think that that's really what what you. I think that's you, right? I mean that's really. Yeah, it's what I do best. I mean, stick best. with what you know. No, I think that's fair. So anyway, I got to ask, way back to uh, Difficult People. Yes. Have you watched Billy on the Street? Yes, of course. So Billy Eichner, uh, co-star of that show, has he calls it a game show? Yeah. And I can't remember what network it's on. Um, It's on uh, (sighs) True TV, I think. True, yeah, that's it. (laughs) I always watch it on YouTube, but yeah. It's awesome. I binge watched that twice. I think I've watched all of every episode twice now. He is so amazingly manic. He he makes the ultimate like short attention game show host, and he has hilarious guests on. The one he did with uh, Sarah Je- Jessica Parker. Yes, I never got into Sex in the City. I don't care about it, but what her are- on that show. They were perfect together. It was awesome. Oh, they were. Of course they were because she's literally like royalty and like literally like, I mean, <laughs> if, I know you never watched the show, but if you'd ever watched. Oh, I have watched it. Okay. I just never got into it. Well, so, so Stanford, uh, her, her best gay friend, um, has some similarities to, to Billy Eichner, but the real character that he's similar to is, was this character, uh, that was, that was Charlotte's best gay friend, um, uh, played by Mario uh, Canzone or something. I think that, that, that that's the actor's name. And anyway, he was like the, this, this Italian uh, gay guy who was just very, very 
uh, uh, very much like Billy Eichner. So like the two of them, their personalities, I just, yeah, they, they were great together. But I love Billy on the street. And in fact, they sometimes film it near where I work. And so I'm always like one of those people where oh, I'm like. you should try to get a dollar. Oh, totally. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I would, I think, I think my problem, I would, try, I would love that. I think, I think the problem is, is that it's just like, uh, yeah. Did you see the one with Lucy Liu? Where they yeah. made like someone on the other side of a New York street. Uh, they he would run across the street to ask her questions and then come back. And if Lucy Liu gave the same answer, then the other person won. But there was a street full of buses and taxis between them. It was beautiful, and Lucy Liu was extremely admirably patient. It was fun. Yeah, no, she's amazingly patient. Yeah, that yeah. show for people who don't know Billy Eichner. His most mainstream role that I know of is um, on Parks and Recreation. He was yep. the like gay intern, and then a waiter at Aziz at, Aziz's the, restaurant. Right. Yeah. He worked at the Parks Department after like the at, he came over from uh from from the town that they absorbed. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, it, <laughs> he was yeah. awesome. He, his his role got very mixed reviews. You either loved him or hated him. I mean, I thought he was great. Uh, I um, did too. But, he, was, and like, he, this, he played a very hateable character, though. He did. He was like very like OCD and like ridiculous and over the top, which is very much kind of his whole shtick, where he just gets outraged over things and screams and yells. It, um, in his he, game show, though, he screams, yells, and just walks away. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> he screams as he's walking away from people. Well, that's my favorite part is that like literally like people on the street don't know what's happening, or maybe they want to continue to have a conversation. He's like, "You're terrible. Screw yes. you. Like, how do you not know who this is?" I can't imagine anyone else pulling off that show in the way that he does it. Anyone else? Maybe um, who's the comedian with the really, really weird voice that sounds like the Aflac duck? Gilbert Gottfried. He could maybe, but sounds he doesn't like have he the was, manic he was personality the duck. to do it. He he was the Aflac duck before he got fired for, for making racist <laughs> jokes on Twitter about the uh, tsunami. <laughs> that adds up. Yeah, he was the original Affleck duck, and then and then he made some really ta- poorly poor 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 taste uh, comments on Twitter about the tsunami. They were jokes, and I get it, you're a comedian, but at the same time, like, dude, like a bunch of like a ton of people just died. So like, his illustrious career will now be remembered as the racist Affleck duck. Yes. All right. Well, I mean, look, it's better than like being remembered for his role in Problem Child. <laughs> yes. And Problem Child too. I hey, should. Everyone makes mistakes. Two of them. Come on. Yeah, that is. That's the a old, pattern. That's a pattern. I mean, <laughs> I loved those movies as a kid, but I rewatched one of them on Netflix, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is unadulterated crap." How did my parents deal with me? Why? No, I know how they dealt with it. They let me watch it on the on the on the TV upstairs in the bonus room and the VCR there, and they were like, "Yeah, we're not dealing with it. We're not watching. We don't want to see this stuff. This is because they would have." They they would have had to tear their eyes out because it's just awful. I had a dream recently that I was forced, and I don't even remember how, but I was forced to adopt three children <laughs> at once. Oh, God. Like, I had to take them all together, and I had to be a father. And this was, um, it was, it was for me a nightmare, uh, just the sudden unexpected lifestyle change without even a nine-month warning it was uh very frightening i woke up upset uh and then this was while i was on vacation in north carolina and after we got home i immediately 
went to get my three-month test on my vasectomy results, the post-vas test. Okay, and and how, are we good? Are you still completely? Or is it? All- I am one hundred percent sterile. I will never create my own child. That's fantastic. I know, right? That's genuinely the greatest news I've ever heard. Because <laughs> honestly, I that sounds really- insulting, but I agree with you. I mean, I'm not trying to be insulting, but I'm also not trying to be like not insulting. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. No, no, I'm kidding. No, I know you. I know that you and my 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 uh, uh, opinions on um on children are the same, and so the same way that I would well, I would love to be told that I was sterile. That'd be great. I actually think again. I think my my husband should just do what you've done. I mentioned this only because I would have any child who was in my hair and maybe wanted to watch Problem Child. I would have put a TV in another room and put them in there. Totally. Which is quite reasonably why I shouldn't have children. Yeah, I think that's fair. No offense to your parents. I just realized that by transitive property, I just insulted your parents. And no, that's, I don't, I, that's I'm not, not fair. I'm not offended by that. You turned out okay. I turned out fine, but like, I mean, it's just because <laughs> I got lucky. So, Wieners. Yeah. You mentioned a while ago the Anthony Wiener movie. Yes. I have not seen it, but I did notice that it is now like pre-order on iTunes. Yeah, um I would wait for Netflix. Yeah, okay. That was my that was my question really. Yeah, I would I would definitely wait for Netflix. Um because it, it's it's uh um I paid for it because they did like the day and date thing, so I like paid for it on on demand. It was good. It was not as good as I was I'd hype myself up for it to be simply because there's less drama than you would think. It's kind of a well, not so much. There's less drama because there's a lot of drama, and I would have liked. They obviously went in expecting to make a very different type of documentary, and the fact that they were still given access is incredible. But the there aren't. It is a true verite documentary, so you don't have. You have some interviews with him. You have some moments where you know he's talking to to to, to Huma and 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 where she says a few things to the camera, but you don't really have a lot of a kind of like one on one like conversations with people as it's happening, and so there there seems to be a lack of some of, of insight. But it but it's it's definitely worth watching, and it's definitely very interesting to see the the meltdown of what happened, you know, during his campaign and 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 when that news broke. I mean, it's it's definitely very watchable. Um, I, I would be curious because I always loved the guy, but that the stuff that ultimately dragged him down was ridiculously stupid. Yeah, like he was ridiculously stupid he, about he, it more than once. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's like, you know, yes. In another era, you know, like Marion Barry was arrested for literally having cocaine and hookers and went to jail and was reelected mayor of Washington, DC. Like these are true things. You know, Bill Clinton's history of infidelity is well known. Like, right. you know, people would still probably vote <laughs> it's for the him first for thing because- people think of, but then it they is. also have a very positive opinion of him. Right. You know, I mean, it, it, like politicians behaving badly, isn't a new phenomenon at right, all. What was right. new about Anthony Weiner the first time and the second time, frankly, but the first time was the whole, you know, the whole Twitter dick, you know, bulge pick because he, he clearly couldn't slide into anyone's DMs. I blame BlackBerry for that, by the way. I don't think we've ever 
about that. I think it was the <laughs> fact that he was using a BlackBerry and didn't know. And, and BlackBerries made it kind of difficult to to, to DM and whatnot. And, and you would have to send like – remember when you used to have to send the, the precursor, the, the D precursor and then the, the username and then you'd send the direct message? Yeah. I think that he messed that up. And so – which could happen to anybody. Although at the same time, if you're going to do this, like why are you doing it from your official account? I'm like come on, dude. Like get a side account. <laughs> like it's not hard. He was at least smarter – Sort of the second time, in that he at least had a, a different name on 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 that uh, uh, you know um, at the the website that that he was trolling you know for 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 young tail on Carlos Danger, but yet he'd met her because she'd commented she'd liked his Facebook page or commented, and then he trolled her out and was like, "Oh hey, sexy, what's up? Want to talk on this?" And it's like, dude, seriously, like. No, you're in the paper trail in a, in a social media era where this sort of thing is not okay. It's just not. When there are like – like we'll forgive a lot of things, but if there's video of it or if there's like sex like receipts, like it's not okay. And the thing it, is – sorry. Is the real sin though – is the real sin being stupid? Uh, yeah. I feel, I feel like it is. Like we all know that politicians are kind of scummy and you know prone to these activities. I think – I mean – I'm prone to these activities. I understand. I'm not sending dick pics to young women. But anyway, like I get that. I, I get it. But getting caught, especially yeah. when you hold a public office, well, that's, that's the, the sin. Well, that's the real sin, getting caught. And then and then in his case, getting caught a second time when literally you're on a redemption tour where they've done <laughs> yes, this whole – totally. They did this whole thing with the New York Times Sunday. That is literally section. unforgivable. And, and and you're literally on this redemption tour of I did these things, but I can make the city great again. And then literally it comes out that you've still been sexting people and doing other stuff. <laughs> and and then and it was so funny that even in the in the documentary, you know, there was the staffers who worked for him. That was actually the really uh, enlightening part. Um some of the the staffers, you know, were they were all very upset, but but when the news broke you know, they're, they're asking you, you, you see them, he's about to kind of make a conference. It's like, what's well, he going to make a statement? Are we going to make a denial? Like what's happening? We're, we're, we're going to deny this, right? Like, obviously this isn't true. And, and you just see, you know, the person who was running the campaign being like, or the campaign spokesperson rather, sorry, not the campaign manager being like, no, we're not going to be making any denials. And, and just, you see the look on the staffer's faces as they're realizing, oh my God, he really did this. And I'm in college <laughs> and I've committed my, you know, one of my first, you know, kind of jobs of trying to break into politics is for this guy who it was bad enough. All my friends are making dick jokes and like, oh, yeah, you're working with a guy who, you know, um, likes to send his 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 uh, p- picture and underwear to people. Um, and then literally, literally uh, does it again. Exact same thing. Only this time was even worse. However, and because everything ultimately comes back to this, I feel like Donald Trump has changed the discourse to a point where stuff like that no longer matters. Yeah. I feel well, well no. Um uh I think that I think that for him it doesn't matter. I, well, I Yeah, but those gaffes used to be death to a politician. Well, but again, I think it's with him. I think that if any other politician in the future does those things, they cannot get away with that. Well, Donald Trump you know, called on Second Amendment people to assassinate Hillary. Like yes. that's not going to be a good enough excuse. It works because his brand that he's spent the last 30 years building has been that he's kind of this bombastic asshole. There was actually a really interesting um, uh, take in Politico from uh, Rich uh, Laurie, who is uh, an editor at the National Review, about how 
Trump is running a fantastic campaign just not to be president but to be Rush Limbaugh. And <laughs> I think that that's actually probably fairly accurate. Um, you know, I, God willing, he won't be our president because that would be terrible for, on, a lot of re, on a lot of levels. Um, but I do feel like everything he's doing is perfect campaigning for him to be like a very, very popular conservative pundit because I, he's yeah. – you know, and, and and as a pundit, you can get away with these things. He wasn't satisfied with his status as a Fox News like regular contributor. He wanted to be, he wanted his own show. Yeah, no, I, and I, I mean, and honestly, at this point, he could probably almost get his own network block. You know what I mean? So, but like, here's here's what scares me though. Yeah, it's not Trump that scares me. Trump is clearly an idiot. It's the fact that he's gotten where he is, and it's the supporters that that scare me because they're not going to go away if they lose. And now he's he's called for gun violence yep. and predicted a rigged election. So when he does lose, what happens then? We have millions of people who are already angry, riled mm-hmm. up, acting out of fear, have been told, exercise your Second Amendment rights to the extent right. of firing your weapons. And... The system is rigged against you. So when that's proven right by him losing, quote unquote, proven right, what happens then? That's what scares me. Yeah, no, I agree. And I don't know. And I think I do think the fallout from this is going to be significant. And we've we've seen what's happened, you know, with kind of the rise and fall of, of the Tea Party, you know, where the Republican Party for a long time. And I do fear that this is going to happen the, to the, 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 the Democratic Party, too. Um, but but um the Republican Party has kind of had this problem where it, I guess, they people started feeling disenfranchised and feeling like the 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 party proper wasn't wasn't speaking to to their concerns and their needs, and so that was kind of how the Tea Party was born. And then the Tea Party really hasn't been able to kind of maintain the same traction that it's had. And, and Donald Trump kind of came up from the same similar talking points, even though they're they're different. Um, but the, the the disenfranchisement that's happening is real, and it causes kind of these splinter effects. And we've never seen this in American politics, where you know we've never had a major third party system. It's always been two party. And so I do wonder, putting the the the, the very real fears of, of people taking an uprising and, and and being violent aside, like what this means for political discourse and for other sorts of, of voting things, like because you it can go two ways. I mean, this could be like a way to kind of propel like serious contenders, or at least threatening in the sense that it could it could take votes away from the major parties and and make that system less viable like to to kind of create like like third parties or or, or new waves and whatnot or you know um people could just continue to feel even more disenfranchised and not come out to vote anymore i don't i don't know what happens but i feel like what's happening with political discourse in general like people want revolution whether it's a, a trump or a bernie or whatever and and I, I don't know wh- how that ends. There was a very intriguing article on Medium and a follow-up article and several rebuttals uh, that were all fascinating to read, but it was about how humans throughout history have every so often, in an almost cy- cyclical fashion, decided decided to blow everything up and begin again um, in a very uh, nihilistic way. I apologize for the Siamese cat that I didn't realize I trapped in this room. He's <laughs> now very upset. Um, but it, it was it was intriguing. The, the rebuttals were equally intriguing. Uh, just kind of, uh, can you statistically analyze history? Are things cyclical? Is this an explanation or is it just a, a reach? Um, I'll I'll post a link to those. I don't even remember author names or anything, but 
Huh. Yeah. So, okay, I'm done with Trump. Yeah. Do we have time for one more topic? Of course we do. I got my second gift drop from, uh, gift box from Mass Drop recently. And you get those for like referring people to Mass Drop. And when enough, enough referrals make a purchase, you get a gift box. And the gift box is like a collection of extras of from some of their best drops. And if you don't know what Mass Drop is, it's uh, a crowd sourced. How do you say it? Uh, it a, it's a co-op. A bunch of people like suggest we would like to get this product. The Mass Drop sets up a deal. If we get this many buyers, we can get this price on it. And then everyone signs on, puts their money down. If the drop fails, if they don't get enough people, you get your money back. If it succeeds, you get your product at a discount. And uh, it's a lot of tech stuff, tons of mechanical keyboard stuff, a lot of nerdy stuff. Um, there's even like, I think a sewing and cross stitch section, uh, something for everybody. But anyway, I'm not advertising for mass drop. I'm saying that I got my gift box and it included a pair of headphones. I can't even tell you the brand. The important point is that it turns out my ear canals are two different sizes. I have always tried to figure out why earbuds always sucked for me never fit right no matter how many different cup pairs i tried so this time this one came with i think 12 different pairs of cups and i experimented with all kinds of combinations and found out my right ear canal is way smaller than my left ear canal so by using two like a, a large and a small i could actually make it work and i could have earbuds that stayed in comfortably that's my point. That's that's what that's where I'm going with this whole thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Why are my earbuds my my uh, my nostrils are different sizes too, by the same ratio. My my septum deviates slightly, and my right nostril is almost twice as big as my left nostril, which isn't as apparent in photos as it sounds when I say it out loud. But I feel like while my face is quite symmetrical, I've been told I'm relatively attractive. My, the holes in my face are all wrong sizes. Huh. Again, why I'm not breeding. <laughs> Just bad stock. No, it's good stuff. I love my parents. That wasn't an insult to my, I keep, I keep insulting people transitively. Well, you're, you're insulting them and then you're, you're, um, you're also assuming, though, that 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 they um, actually will listen to this podcast, which of course they won't. <laughs> and if I said they were definitely listening to this podcast, that might be an insult as well. So it, maybe it evens out. My siblings came out fine. I just I got a weird mix, I guess. But no, I'm mean, honestly, um, facial orifice symmetry is not my reason for non procreation. <sighs> but it is weird about like you talk about like 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 white earbuds don't work for you and i found certain ones that do have you ever done the custom tips have you ever tried that no so you can go in it costs money but you can go in and have a molding made of your ear canal and they'll actually create um like custom earbuds for you and then you can put those tips on your earphones and and then it'll have like a perfect seal yeah that would be that would be good when i was uh working with Engadget, tim stevens got a uh, a pair 
of like really high end studio monitor in in ear studio monitors crafted for him as part of like a demo for a post. And I thought, yeah, no, that's really the only way I could ever fit my bizarre ear canal uh, asymmetry. I should do that. Yeah. Yeah. How much does that cost? Um, I think it depends on what type of buds you do, but like $100, $150. I have a $200 pair of... Uh, I forget what brand. Um, they are... They had them at the Apple store, and I had $200. So I grabbed them because they, they rest lightly in your ear canal, but then have a rubber piece that stretches through the first ridge of your ear. And they sit very nicely. They stay in, and they are comfortable on plane rides for like... Because after an hour, any earbud hurts me. Uh, I get pain and weird itching. So these actually... Up until now, up until I found like the perfect combination of non-matching ear cups, uh, those had been really good. What are the what What are the major? It's one of the top three headphone makers. Uh, Sennheiser, uh, Ultimate Ears, Etymotic, Bose. Bose, they're Bose. They're Bose, and they have a, a two-color twisted cable. You've probably seen them. Yeah, they're pretty common. They yeah. work well, though. Totally. What do you use? So I have, so it depends. I have a bunch of headphones. Um, I had a <laughs> pair too. of, Edom- I, have a, I had a pair of Edematics that I used for, for buds for inner ears that were really good. Um, and those you can actually get the custom tips for, but I never did. Um, I actually really like Clips. Clips, they had a pair of X10s, um, which uh, also for inner ear. Um, but for, for regular earphones, my day-to-day pair is a pair of, of, of Beats um, uh, Studio, oh, not Studio, uh, Beats uh uh, wireless um, headphones, but I usually use them connected. And so they're rose gold and <laughs> I enjoy them very much. They're the Beats Solo 2s. Solos. Two. Yeah, Solo 2 wirelesses. And the, 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 the corded version is 200 bucks. the, the um, wireless version, which can also have a plug. And, and so they can be used without battery because they don't have noise canceling or, or $300. I have a pair of, of, of Beats uh, um, uh uh, studio uh, wireless headphones too and I have um, actually for running which I don't do very often but occasionally I have a, a pair of power- only when you're late for work only when I'm late for work I have a pair of power beats which are the beats wireless headphones those I actually really like those are interesting because they might work for you or you might be able to try them out of the store even with your weird like ear shapes and, and stuff because they fit over your ear like they it, it plugs into the side but they also have like a little thing where they'll like you know go around the side of your ear too to kind of keep them in yeah yeah that's the kind of thing that i kind of require do you use what do you use when you fly when i fly that's i try to use if if i can remember to pack them i use that's when i use the 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 beat studio wireless because those have noise canceling yeah otherwise i just use the the power beats um although you know what i could use and they're not noise canceling they would be great the the earphones i'm using for this podcast which are again different which are the 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 sony um uh, mk uh 7506s you know, just the studio headphones. Yeah. I like when, when I fly, I do like over the ear or yeah. Yeah. Over ear. Yeah, um, definitely. And if I, if I'm really in a pinch, I do have a pair of ear pods in my purse, like just in the event that like something's happened, 
I have a pair of ear pods in my purse just in case because I need to be able to <laughs> to listen to my podcast or music or whatever. Have you ever tried the Urban Beats headphones over Urban ear? ears? Urban ears. Is it Urban ears? It's Urban ears. Um, I have. I have. Yes. Um, I picked. Yeah, you're right. Urban ears. Those with I got a pair at an airport because I once again forgot the headphones I had or owned. And um, I picked those up, I think for about 50 bucks and they were, they're some of the best travel headphones I've ever had. No, no, they're super good and they're super popular. Um, I actually unboxed, they had a weird like Bluetooth version that you could sweat in. Like they have like a sweatband on them and then they had like athletes and like dancers and people like wear them and sweat in them. And so we unboxed, they sent us a pair for some reason and we unboxed them on Facebook and I, I bit into it for some reason because that's what my job requires. But yeah, no, I, 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 um, I haven't ever used them in significant lengths of time, but I could imagine those would be good um, airplane headphones because yeah, they, they fit over your ears, but they're still flexible. Right. But they seal tightly without making your ears hurt. Yeah, because that's and always. And they have a mic built in. Most of them have a mic and volume control in line. So that's nice. Yeah, I always need that. The, my my favorite pair of clips um uh, head uh, buds don't have a mic built in, and so uh, they're they're just the standard ones because those they were on sale on Amazon. Like Amazon had a great Black Friday sale, and I was like, well, these headphones are actually really good, so I should. Oh my god, I left those at the office. <laughs> I watched your I watched your dust cleaning video for a while. Yeah, that was that was that was crazy, wasn't it? It was bizarrely fascinating. I I was, was... What everybody kept saying everybody was like completely compelled. I, that was quality <laughs> content on my part. I, I unboxed my de- I, I I cleaned up my desk and it was uh yeah. And the conversation turned into all mashable people that yes, you know it... I have no affiliation with and I couldn't understand the inside jokes they were making, but I still kept watching it was well, weird yeah no it was actually great because uh it turned into a mashable reunion it did it like it was like literally like a blast in the past like there are people that we hadn't seen in a really long time who were who were all a part of that and uh it was uh it was really 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 funny i did learn uh, from that that you have the same taylor swift calendar at work and at home yes which right because you need well i got two for christmas and i feel like that's that's perfect for you at least yeah, I agree. I, I I think that it says everything you need to know about me, um, and 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 where I am with stuff. Um, also, that video I just looked has had three and a half, three point eight thousand views. Yeah, that's it's a bizarre phenomenon, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the fact that like literally that like I had for and and people a lot of people watched very far into it because we went on for forty five minutes, and I, I doubt anybody really watched all the way through. But we we went we we did it for forty five minutes and. Uh, I, I saw a number of comments where people were like, I can't stop watching this. <laughs> I will admit to watching almost 20 minutes of it. That's amazing. So you saw me throw Rex away and save him from the trash. I did. And I so, saw all the comments. That, yes. Well, that no, was, not Rex. I want Rex. Give me that Rex. Was, that was the best part. Carrie saved Rex. And so I'm going to see him at, at a party I'm having tonight. And coming and, in with absolutely no background on Rex, it was still fascinating. Right. That was good TV. Nicely done. I'm glad that I was able to uh, to, to put out some of that. Uh, I was able to bring people into my world a little bit. Honestly, that's why Facebook Live and Periscope and things like that are awesome. Yeah, because you can just do something like that. We're literally like just taking my phone and and, and Ray Ray recording 
and it just yeah I feel, see periscope required you know a third party application and people had to already be on periscope and granted yeah. a lot of people were but to bring that to Facebook, that was kind of brilliant. Yes. Oh, completely brilliant. And then the way that they have it working for media companies, you can use real cameras. And and you know Randall. Do you remember Randall Bennett? Did you ever work with him? No. Okay. Well, because he he used to do some stuff with with weblogs back in the day, and um, he has a company called Vidpresso that basically turns that basically lets you create kind of a mini control studio, like switching studio to do very professional camera switching and, and, and controls and, and overlays and screen overlays and stuff. And like very like much like professional broadcast stuff for Facebook Live. They, they're using the Facebook Live APIs. So, you know, like how Mashable does theirs and how a lot of other media companies do theirs is they have multiple like high-end DSLR cameras set up. And then we're switching between the two and we're putting overlays on the screen and putting up comments in real time. So it's like a very quality production, but you can do that or you can do, you know, taking your phone or your GoPro or whatever and like recording somebody cleaning out their desk. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a good note to end on. I think so. This has been great. We both had a lot to share. I feel like um, this episode absolutely had to happen. Yep. Um, I will absolutely keep you posted on ramping our schedule back up and becoming yes. more regular citizens of the podcast world. Yeah. I mean, cause I think so. I think people like us. I, yeah, I get that impression. I get the impression. People always seem to like compliment. But I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm a realist and I still think people <laughs> like us. Okay. All right. That mm. validates my own, um, slightly, uh, possibly rose tinted impression of things. Hmm. I was I like realists. I like pessimists in my life. They Same. they counteract me. We balance out well. Anyway. <laughs> so optimistically, yes. I'll see you again in two weeks. I'll see you again in two weeks. Uh get some sleep. You get some sleep, right? The system is going down low.